0: Welcome to the Lying Under Oath podcast. This is part two, a continuation of last week's episode, where Mark and I were joined by our guest host, Mason, and we took a look into Under Oath's entire discography, leading up to the release of the new album, which is the focus of this week's episode. So we'll be spending basically the entire show talking about the new album, including a recently recorded segment of Mason's thoughts on the brand new album, followed by my thoughts on the new album. So stick around for all of that. Uh, This discussion will sound a little dated at first, but it will not finish. So uh, but before we jump into that, I do want to reintroduce you to the episode's sponsor, once again, Eufala, which is the side project of country singer-songwriter Jordan Whitmore. She's been releasing great music for years uh, that would be perfect for fans like country fans, Miranda Lambert, Brandy Carlisle. I know that if you're listening to this episode specifically for Under Oath, you might not be a country fan, but the music that she's releasing under the name Eufala is just really good acoustic oriented like worship music a lot of it is based on the psalms it's very beautiful melodic scriptural uh, so i'm going to play a clip for you right now of her song i shall not be shaken and then you'll get the full song at the end of the episode so stick around for that and if you like what you hear you can find Eufala on amazon spotify itunes or at her website EufalaMusic.com. that's e-u-f-a-u-l-a this is a clip of her song "I Shall Not Be Shaken," and then we'll be jumping into the discussion on Underoath's new album, "Erase Me."
1: I do think that, you're, that that meh sentiment uh, is something that most people feel about disambiguation for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like because it's more of a subdued and mellow album for Under Oath or is it, maybe it's the fact that Aaron's not there and people really uh, gravitated towards Aaron specifically.
0: Like pro- boycotting the album because it doesn't have Aaron. Right. It's, I, it's funny. like There's something that's always interesting to see is when a band grows at a rate that's different than their fans. And so like where bands create something that fans aren't ready for. And I've experienced this way too often (laughs) where like I, I, I lose a band because they're putting out stuff that I don't like only to come back years later. Like, Oh, this is great. I was wrong. (laughs) And, uh, I think disambiguation could probably prove to be that for a lot of people if they gave it a chance as it's it's been really, really funny to watch my brother have that experience with this album. Like just a few months ago, he started listening to disambiguation again and just went crazy, like cuckoo over it and was listening to it every day. And he's not even like, he doesn't usually listen to heavy music. He's much more of like a pop and R and B guy with like a history in the scene. Um, and this album just like changed that and he loved it so much that he's been listening to a lot Didn't, more heavy music wasn't band. he
2: the one that got no. you into thrice yes <laughs> so he left the heavy music scene after
1: thrice he left the scene not
0: not after thrice i it, he spent plenty of time in that like he toured uh with some heavier bands actually funny um something a tangent that 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 I had hoped to get on earlier and we just <laughs> flew on by was uh the the producer of all their earlier albums James Paul Wisner. He he he's a Florida guy who like listening to the early early Under Oath albums is not just seeing the progression of Undergrowth and their songwriting and their style but also the progression of James Paul Wisner as a producer cuz he made uh, I'm pretty sure he made all the first ones Acid Depression Cries of the past, changing of times. They're only chasing safety. All him, and so you see him moving from this like, uh, I'll press record and you play, to making like this really polished good stuff. And there was a period where he was one of like the go-to guys for um, some of the newer Christian acts. Um, so like Sullivan, Run Kid Run, uh, Forever Changed, a lot of uh young christian bands were going to him and he's he's probably still one of my like all-time favorite producers um not only is that forever changed album one of my favorite christian rock albums in history um he was he was for some reason a lot of people just go for him for debut albums uh but he did the first Paramore record he did the first the academy is record he did some early Gatsby's american dream stuff and he made the loring Dre- uh, sorry loring drive album which loring drive is a band that ended up picking up my brother to play t- uh, play bass for them and so my brother like toured the nation and canada a little bit and went on warp tour and went on tour with red jumpsuit apparatus and had like a-, a spot on mtv once uh playing bass for loring drive and so like james Walt wisner has just been creating great stuff Over the years. Um, And more recently did the uh, Hands Like Houses album, Dissonance, which was one of my favorite albums of 2016.
1: But he didn't do the later Under Oath albums. No.
0: Um, They started going around to other people. So I don't think I don't think they've worked with him since uh, the only Chasing Safety. I don't know. I don't know why if they just wanted to start working with different people or if James Paul Wisner was just getting enough work elsewhere, I, I honestly, I'd probably say that the reason he has the career that he has is because of under oath and because mm-hmm. of their only chasing safety, that would be yeah. my bet. Um, but I, like, like I said, I still love the stuff that he's putting out. I think he's a fantastic producer. I would love to see I again. There was that weird pocket of time where a lot of Christian rock bands were going to, to him. And now it just doesn't seem like he works with uh, Christian X too often. And I have no idea whether he's a Christian or not. Um, but still, Forever Changed. Have, have either of you listened to The Need to Feel Alive by Forever Changed?
1: No, but I'm pretty interested now.
0: It's, it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, it's just really, really solid pop rock with some of the most tasteful guitar riffs I've mm. ever heard. Um, I never I, even heard of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure it has. Uh, I think both of their albums have four-star reviews on our website
2: save it for a you listen um
0: yeah i'll i'll make you listen at another time mark but mason have at it
1: <laughs> yeah all right
0: i mentioned in the other episode where we talked about this um that matt squire is the guy who produced the new stuff mm-hmm. um which he 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 got known uh for making the for the two albums by the receiving end of sirens And his work with the Stephen Under Sirens got him working with Panic at the Disco, which made him blow up. And so Matt Squire has had a great, uh, fruitful career producing kind of more pop oriented music. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting that uh, Undereath have gone to work with Matt Squire now for this new album that will be coming out very soon. What do you two think of On My Teeth, the first single? I think you can probably guess what I think. <laughs> oh, no. You think it's men. Again. Let me ask, Mark. Um,
1: we need to address this problem.
0: Was the emoji movie based on the story of your life? <laughs> Just following, I don't know. I
1: haven't seen it.
2: Falling around the meh emoji. <laughs> well, okay. Let me ask you this in response to that question. In listening to and editing all of our previous podcasts, would you say that my life is based around the Emoji movie?
0: I would say that your life is based around the running Emoji. So maybe they could write a sequel based on your life. Um, how many
2: times have you listened to it? How many times have I listened to the new one? Yeah,
0: on my teeth. Twice. Okay. Um... I th- Mason, I think you and I have discussed it already.
1: Yeah. Right? What, are, um, what are your thoughts? I've only listened to it like four or five times. Um, it's such a weird song, I think. Like it's <laughs> such a such a not Under Oath song, but also like everything that Under Oath is at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. I, I totally feel that. I, it, I feel... Hey, I really don't know what to feel about it, but I know that it's not... Uh exactly what I would want from Under Oath after being away for six years or what however long they've been gone, yeah, but there is something about it that like has me interested in what the album's gonna be like. I mean, I think I regardless I was gonna like jump on it immediately yeah. um but there's something about like again, like going back to like the aesthetic of the the music video and like the the artwork and that like that like lime green yellow whatever it is that they're going with for yeah. this this album cycle is like really fascinating to me and then i also uh i don't know if you guys do this but sometimes if i know a new album is coming out like and i can see the track list and the titles and the and the run length and everything i like start to form Ideas as to what it's going to be like based on that minimal (laughs) information. Um, And so just looking at not only like the fact that On My Teeth feels very much like this almost poppy kind of single uh, song, but also like the rest of the track list seems like really short songs like and the the titles themselves seem really almost like more mainstream, I guess you could say, um, in their approach. I'm still intensely curious as to what it's going to be like, but I feel like based on the song and and the run length and everything, I'm not entirely sold as to whether or not it's going to be another great Under Oath album or not. -hmm:
2: What you were just describing there is exactly why I have a long-standing policy of never listening to lead singles, or <laughs> almost <laughs> never listening to lead singles or really policy. making any like any real judgment about an album until i've actually heard it for the first time Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah i think i generally do that too and i don't watch movie trailers or anything that like (laughs) is promotional in any way um especially if i know like i'm gonna see it or listen to it like there's no reason to engage with what they're putting out but just because it's under oath and it's been so long like i felt like i needed to absorb as much as i could yeah, I have no idea what it's going to be like, but I, I'm hesitant, I guess, is the best word I yeah. could use.
0: Um, there's a really interesting story from the Lost in the Sound of Separation where uh, they took the mixes to the guy who was going to master the album, and they listened to the, the full album with him, and he said, guys, this is y'all's masterpiece. This is incredible, but it doesn't have a single we have a few days to get the album mastered. I have a studio here. Why don't y'all just crank out a a single that you can use to sell the art? The song that you can get on the radio so that people will buy this album. Uh, And we can just add that uh, to this great thing you've created. Um, And there was this split in the band of whether to do it or not. And I believe it was mostly Aaron and Spencer who were totally on board with the idea of just putting together a really quick pop song to use more like in a functional business sort of way in order to get out this album that they really believed in um, and the other members, most notably Tim, who were like, "Nope, totally oppose. We, we hate that idea. Uh, that'll go against what we stand for." and so that was one of the uh, one of the events that it's one of those like weird things that happened in the band that uh I I think led to Aaron quitting and trying to pursue his own was personal that Desperate musical ventures more seriously. No, no, they didn't make it. Oh, they, they didn't uh, make it. Desperate Desperate Times was one of the songs that was already there. Um hmm. I think they, they chose that as being like the the closest thing to a commercial yeah. song. I mean, I guess like uh too too bright to C might have been another choice. And that song, like I said, like I've heard that song on Christian Rock Radio, so it eventually got somewhere. But uh so in, in the in the new bio uh of for Under Oath, um, they talk about how they've just completely like removed themselves from those old ideas of what they were supposed to do or what they were supposed to sound like. And now that like they're they're only uh Desires to make music that they enjoy, um, and and that that's a typical thing to read in a bio. That's a very obvious yeah. thing for artists to talk about. But what I th- what I think was interesting specifically in the bio was how they said like they used to have a rule that they used in everything that they w- wrote and recorded, which was is that under oath enough, um, and how they think now that like that rule. That doesn't sound under oath enough Um, crippled them and Mm. forced them to stay uh, within a certain bounds of what they sound like and like what didn't allow them to grow in a way that they could have, which if we if we think about it, it would make perfect sense for Lost in the Sound of Separation to sound so much like to find the great line. If during the writing and recording of that album, they were asking themselves, is that under oath enough? Um, so it wasn't
1: like an integrity thing; it was more of a sonic thing. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, so they're they're moving beyond that, and and if <laughs> if a bio is to be believed, then I think we're gonna get a lot of different sounds and styles on the new album. Race me, uh, but on my teeth is it, funny. I I wasn't sure what I thought about the song, but I couldn't stop listening to it. And after right. it came out, I was listening to it probably three or four times every day, and so I got in a lot of listens. And after <laughs> listening to it so many times, I was like, "I, I, I guess I love it." <laughs> it's <laughs> like if if I'm going back and listening to the song so often, I don't dislike it. <laughs>
1: right. I mean, um, I think it's a lot of fun. Like mm-hmm. it's it it can get under your. I mean. I don't know if under your skin is the right. It got on my teeth. You. There you go. Um, yeah. On the, the skin of your teeth. Um, it's a little on the nose, actually. <laughs> but I think that, I think maybe the fact that I read the lyrics is what really kind of bugged me. Maybe I just need to reanalyze the lyrics of like disambiguation and. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that was more Spencer oriented, but like to me, it's just, it doesn't seem, it just felt really generic, I guess. Uh, Like it was a lot of cliches. Um, Yeah. There wasn't anything that was like particularly poetic or something that made me think. Um, And I feel like their earlier stuff kind of had more of that as a draw with their lyrics. Yeah. I mean, most of their lyrics are centered around like kind of like self self loathing and uh, (laughs) trying to like break the cycle of addiction, which I think Spencer himself has been really open about. But right. um, This just feels to me like more like I'm mad and I want everyone to know that I'm mad. Um, Right. Which for these guys and like. With their age, especially, that's a little bit weird to me. Um, <laughs> it felt, I yeah, guess, the it, you angsty could
0: thirty-five-year-old.
1: Like, yeah, it felt more immature lyrically than, like, basically anything that I had heard from them before.
0: Yeah, I right. the the most obvious thing is that this is an explicit song. It has the F word in it, and there is going to be three explicit songs on the album. And if you believe iTunes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's one. <laughs> Can't there's one 18th. there's one lyric in the song that if you take out of context it sounds like it's saying Christianity is a lie, get over it. But if you look at it in the context of the larger song, you're totally right. Like that's that isn't really what it's about and it just seems kind of like a bland relational uh yeah song. Um and so I, I I'm curious whether or not they're even going to be trying to make any profound messages or big statements on right. this album and honestly I they've always they done
1: don't. yeah i think um, they've always done that with their other records it always feels like yeah. really grandiose and like they're really striving for something so i guess it could be interesting if they don't do that yeah and part
0: um, of the fact that they're not trying to be a christian band anymore is i i, I instead of being like an atheist band, which of course, like there there's different faiths represented in the members. I think right. they're just gonna not try to sell a message on the album, which in itself is its own message. Uh just more mm-hmm. of a covert one rather than an overt one. Um I
2: got I want, the impression. We want everybody to like this music.
1: Right. Well, that's it. That's they it. said they mentioned like inclusion. we're in this
2: for everybody. Yeah. We're open to everything.
0: For well, I, I can uh read. This portion of their bio. Yeah. Uh, so, Under Oath's creative and personal growth manifests itself in more ways than the stuff coming out of the speakers. For the singer, it meant him coming to terms with his struggles with chemical dependency and his quest to rise above it. In addition, the band who once openly and without apology professed their faith-based worldview on stage nightly have since moved beyond the realm of seemingly impenetrable polemics. At various junctures, Erase Me illustrates those moments of sanctuary, anxiety, betrayal, and conflict that inevitably arise when humanity grapples with belief systems. Under oath are not provocative to create shock value, faux hipster, smugness, or revisionist history toward their accomplishments. This is where their reality has taken them. This That such a narrative exists in the first place is a true manifestation of their personal growth. Uh, and then... Later on in the bio, it has a quote from Aaron Gillespie saying, All of us are finally in that place in our lives where the only thing we care about is inclusion for everybody, for the world. For me, exclusion is the scariest thing in the world. And I think as Underearth are coming back now with a new record, which none of us thought was possible, we want people to know that this is your music and you can feel however the bleep you want about it. I just want to prove that we are doing everything in the most honest way we ever have, this is the healthiest we've ever been as a group of people, as musicians, and in our worldview. so it's
1: a very well written bio, I guess you can say
0: yeah, it's fine. um but it ties into why solid chance that Jesus Freak Hideout will not be covering the new under Earth album. Mm. um, I mean. Decent chance the Fearless Records won't even send us <laughs> the album if we ask for it. Um, but this isn't, you know, Jesus Freak Hideout protesting because we want Under Oath to come back and start talking about Jesus again or we want Under Oath to um, have clean lyrics. Uh, th- this is really just a point where we have to acknowledge that Under Oath aren't trying to be a Christian band. They yeah. aren't trying to put Christianity in their lyrics they're specifically appealing to a different audience and using the language of a different audience and you know being focused by like the lyrics of Spencer, who openly does not claim Christianity as his religion anymore. so
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, they they really don't seem interested in marketing towards Christians specifically. Right. Um, and I feel like that uh, if we were to define the great line of what uh we review at jesus freak hideout uh <laughs> that could be a good factor as to whether or not we're going to review something uh, right because if the band's not interested in our coverage then why should we give them that in the first place you right
0: know? um any publicity is good publicity <laughs> right <laughs> um and you know if if you look throughout the site we have extremely well-rated albums that have language. Like sometimes we put a disclaimer about language in an album, Mm -hmm. sometimes we don't. Um, Our general view, and there's a bunch of different views um, amidst the different writers on the site, but the overall site view... (laughs) Hi, Mason. How'd you get here? Um, The overall uh, view of the site is that uh, there is no need for uh, profane language within Christian music. Um,
2: This is a topic for an entire podcast. You know that, right, Chase?
0: Yeah, that podcast is called The Bad Christian Podcast. Hey! hey. (laughs) Um, So I love how almost every episode of that podcast gets derailed at some point. Back to them defending <laughs> why they think it's right. okay for Christians to cuss, oh it I had to stop listening to that podcast because every episode I listened to got into that discussion and I was so tired of hearing it.
1: it oh, got old yeah
0: it, it 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 does um uh personally, as a creative, I've had moments where uh a profane word seemed right for a song, and I wrestled with whether or not to use it. And I I usually chose, or I, I think I always chose not to, but I've, I've had like short stories where, you know, I was writing dialogue and I knew in any realistic world that this character would cuss in this given moment. And I was like, what, what, what do I do? Uh, it's a weird dilemma to be in. Uh, and you know, when, uh, you know, like Derek Webb, his album, uh, Stockholm Syndrome, we gave it a star and a half,
2: <laughs> mostly for like. Oh, man. One of the most content. panned albums in our album's, in our site's yeah. history. And I think
0: that's a great album. And, and
2: the there's times, a lot of people that think that's a great album. I
0: think it's a fine album. Yeah. And, and when he does cuss on that album, like, I get it. I get why he says it. Like, it's, it's coming from a place of anger, and I get why he's angry about it. Um, Plus, it has to rhyme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's also. You know, there's also a scripture that says we should speak to each other in edifying ways and we should always be encouraging one another. So I th- I think it's uh, Ephesians 4.29 maybe it is kind of like a, a decent trump card when it comes to whether or not to use profanity. But still, like we're not going to... Uh, just abandon an artist because they use the F word. But uh, in this case, it, it really isn't just about the language that Underworld is using. It's just the fact that they, they don't want to be a Christian band anymore. And, and that's fine. Uh, we're going to, going to honor that with our lack of publicity for them. But like it, me, um, just- once <laughs> this podcast is over, right, of course, <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is, this is there our last big, This is our last big splurge of under oath from Jesus Freak Hideout. And after that, you're on your own. That's actually really
0: funny. I didn't even think about that. Really?
2: This is That's literally what the first thing that I thought about when we're talking. You you had talked about like, hey, we should do this podcast where we discuss why we're not going to discuss under oath anymore. (laughs) And and that was literally the first thing. (laughs) That came denial. my denial. I'm
0: living in denial, man.
2: Yes, you are, Chase. If so I ever told you
0: that sometimes you don't make sense,
3: <sighs>
0: I probably if you have, I've ignored it and just kept living my life. That, that doesn't make saying? sense.
1: <laughs> Do you think that that their approach to this album changes your uh, an- anticipation for it in any way?
0: I'm I'm stoked. I yeah. Like I, I never thought that Underearth was a band with good theology. Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't think that their proclamations of Jesus from the stage were probably very helpful to anyone. Right. Um, I, I just, their, their Christianity, so to speak, uh, seemed shallow to begin with. I think most of the artists who just tried to randomly place Jesus's references into their lyrics, usually ended up leaving the faith anyway. <laughs> um that's again that's a completely different discussion. Uh, but well, like there's there's you, just, there's you a use stark, the word most. There's a stark difference between the type of pseudo-Christian lyrics that Undertow have and the type of lyrics that Wolves at the Gate have, you know. That that's night and day. There there's a difference between like having some Christian upbringing in your lyrics and having like robust biblical theology in your lyrics. Um, and Underworld never even, never even like touched the tip of the iceberg there. Um, like even like, uh, you know, some seek forgiveness, others escape. (laughs) It's like, that's, it's, it's a beautiful song. Uh, with redemptive qualities. Um, but there's nothing like. Specifically. Uh, or interestingly theological. About it. So this. All this does is really just temper. What my expectations are. Um, was, like, like I said. Like, I, on my teeth has got me hooked. The fact that the original uh, band members. As of their only chasing safety are back. like That has me hooked. Um, I'm. I actually think I prefer Knowing that this isn't going to be a christian album at all and that it might yeah. be kind of like anti-christian or like anti-organized religion at times.
1: Very um, disambiguous of them. Yeah.
0: Um that just that like prepares me better to listen to it um not as a christian rock fan but just as a rock fan. Um you know like the what's happened in their spiritual lives doesn't affect my faith. Um and I can just listen to them the same way that I listen to um, non Christian bands and just mm-hmm. it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. I wish the best for them. I want Spencer to know Jesus, uh, but I'm not going to like boycott their music. Right. And think, yeah, that, I like, mean, me not buying their $10 album isn't going to <laughs> get Spencer closer to the gates of heaven or anything.
1: I do think that this album because of their approach, um, I mean, I don't think it'll it necessarily will change the quality of the album itself, but the way that it reaches audiences is gonna be vastly different than anything in the past. Um, yeah.
0: Even the fact that they have like they know that seeing F words is going to alienate their Christian yeah. audience. Um so I think Which as is much why they're doing it. as much as they're saying, inclusion, inclusion, everybody's in. They know that what they're doing is excluding some people. I think there's fans that, as much as they, they want uh, to include everyone and not make uh, any like atheists or Muslims or anything feel weird for listening to their album, uh, there's a certain type of Christian fan that they're completely willing to lose with this new album. Um, which, of course, like, when you talk about inclusion, uh, that's the big paradox. Inclusion for everyone except for anyone who th- believes something that's exclusive. You know, that's the that's the paradox, or that's the contradiction with uh, uh, tolerance. You know, we're tolerant of everyone except for intolerant people. Um,
1: which so both of those exceptions probably refer to most people.
0: Yeah, so in a, in a very sense, like Under, Earth are do- Under Earth is doing something very daring with their small conservative audience that they have left, but then they're doing something extremely safe for uh, the culture at large. So we'll see how it pans out. Like, there, on, on My Teeth didn't make the splash that I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought it would hit, I thought the music video would hit a million plays within a day or two. And then as of now, it's been out for a few weeks, and I don't think it's hit a million yet. So they're really like Well uh, I just don't think there there's an audience out there um they, that's as ravenous as I would have expected for new under Earth music. So we we'll they've see been out it of it for
2: so long. I mean it's been eight years since they had their last full album, five years right. since they broke up. Well, well even then six.
0: Even then, uh you know, Lost in the Sound of Separation underperformed in comparison to Define the Great Line and Disambiguation underperformed in comparison to Lost in the Sound of Separation. So uh, you know, I think if they had quit after Define the Great Line and now we're making a surprise comeback, it would be huge. Um, but there's already a lot of fans who have gotten their fix from the reunion tours. And, uh, you know, the fact that they're making new music again is just cool. Ultimately, what's going to sell this album is not the fact that we're getting new Underworld music, but if it's good music. Um,. Yeah. If uh, That I can agree with. If this is the type of uh, album that people are going to be sharing with one another and talking about for a while, then we're talking about the type of legs that a, an ongoing career can stand on. Um, so,
1: Regardless, I think I know what Mark's reaction is going to be.
0: Meh. Hey, just because my <laughs> reaction
2: has been meh for pretty much everything else doesn't mean it's going to be meh in the future.
1: I think that's how science kind of works, though.
0: I'll start calling y'all Mech and Mason.
1: (laughs)
2: Great. Mason's Uh, not meh. Mech is meh, not Mason.
0: Mech. Um, On Berlin. Uh, So uh, anything else? (laughs) On on Berlin. (laughs) Anything else we want to say about Underov?
1: Well, I hope it's good. I, w- I,
2: wish them, I wish them the best. I mean, okay, so I, I play up the fact that, yeah, I'm kind of meh on Under I mean, I enjoy Under Oath. I mean, Chase, you know me well enough to know that I generally enjoy pretty much everything that I listen to, unless I don't, but there's not a lot that I don't <laughs> that, really that's enjoy. That's true of
1: every single human.
0: Yeah. What, the statement you just made is true of every <laughs> single human being on the planet Earth. Everyone but, enjoys everything that they...
1: Intentionally listen to. Listen
0: to, unless they don't enjoy it. And I generally enjoy pretty much
2: everything, to be honest. And I enjoy Under Oath. But there's a really different... There's a difference between enjoying it and having it, like, really catch my attention and really stand out to me. And... With the possible exception of Define the Great Line and maybe the possible exception of Cries of the Past, there just isn't anything with Under Oath that I can really just latch on to. But they're fine. I I like it. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine.
0: So, what you just heard was a conversation recorded a few weeks ago speaking mostly speculatively about the album but now it's out erase me came out this past friday and i wanted to give listeners a chance to hear our thoughts on the album now that we've been able to spend a few days with it so i asked mason to record basically a spoken review of the album since we won't be getting any written reviews on the album Uh, so here are his thoughts on under oaths erase me
1: So, it's finally arrived, Under Oath's Erase Me, which is their eighth studio album. I remember when uh, it was first announced that they were getting back together to play shows and everything. Um, To me, it only seemed like a matter of time before they would actually start to put out music. They'd been touring for like a year or so. Um, So, in reality, even though uh, this seems like an album that maybe should have never happened, Um, it wasn't a surprise. Um, but what was a surprise is the fact that, um, their first single on my teeth to me, it just came across as extremely mediocre. Um, something that I just wasn't used to when it came to under oath. I don't think there's been a single song that I've disliked from them, um, since define the great, uh, define the great line. And so, Usually I try not to listen to singles in advance or or watch trailers or anything for um, upcoming material from groups that I like. But just because it's been eight years and it's been so long, um, I decided that listening to On My Teeth uh, was a good idea. And believe it or not, I think it actually was because this is the first time where the mediocrity and the, the feel of the singles kind of worked for me in favor of the album. Um, that probably sounds bad, but uh, what listening to the single, I didn't listen to Rapture, but what listening to On My Teeth did for me was it let me shift my perspective of what this album was going to sound like. Um, it kind of put me in the mindset that it's not going to be what I'm used to, um, and because of that, I think in the end, I kind of like it more than I expected to. And especially um, with what Chase and I and, and Mark were talking about with this being kind of a departure for the band. And I would think that for the band, um, they could view this album as an accomplishment in terms of reinvention. And in particular, they were able to shed themselves from one of the two skins that they were trying to shed themselves from. One of those skins being that they kind of got rid of the question, is this under oath enough? Which according to Tim and other members in the band, that's something that they would constantly be asking themselves and making the last few records. And I guess that's what led to their dissolution in the end. So to me, this album feels like they really did not consider that question at all. And so, because of that, if you if the listener is able to view the album as as kind of a a genre shift, because I think with this album they've decidedly stepped away from like the post hardcore metalcore sound, and in a lot of ways they deal with more alternative and like post grunge and even some new metal elements. Um, And so, obviously, for most fans, that's going to be shocking. It's going to be something that they didn't ask for. But I think overall, it succeeds more often than it doesn't. One thing that I would like to note as well is that uh, Chase hit it on the head with saying that there's going to be a lot less of Aaron's vocals. And I think, kind of as we were saying, it made for the album to feel more cohesive. And I think the the, the spots where Aaron did sing, um, it was kind of less distinct from Spencer's singing voice than it has been in the in the past. So... In that sense, it also led to greater cohesion. Um, Some of the other elements that are really different here are the fact that there's just a ton of keys and uh, uh, kind of sound effects, Um, and that usually works really well. I think when it works best is on track nine, which is No Frame. This is like the most experimental song, maybe even in the group's history, but also uh, definitely within the album. It's by far, the best song on the album. I would say it's just a legitimately great song. Uh, you know, there's a lot of groove going on. There's some cool vocal rhythms in the verse. And, like, the the vocal effects in the chorus are just... They kind of get under your skin. Um, and it's cool that they're kind of put on on display, uh, front and center, in a way that they really haven't been in in the past. And it also... There's kind of, like, these interesting transitions between, like, really heavy guitars to like ethereal pads. To me, that also feel that song feels like a natural progression from disambiguation. Um and yeah, it's just something that uh a song that has all of the elements that we look for in an under Earth song while also still being adventurous and trying different things. I would say one of the weaker elements of this album are the lyrics. A lot of the times they're just kind of empty threats or just really vague. Kind of depressing lines that um, utilize imagery sure in in an interesting way but they just feel like they could apply to anything so they they don't really stick with me but the the two things that I did appreciate about the lyrics is that one they're very dark I think throughout the band's discography they've seemed to have gotten darker and darker um, which like obviously in some cases you don't really want to feel depressed all the time when you're listening to music but it created just like this really unsettling and just sad emotion within myself listening to it. Like there's, there's a ton of lyrics like, uh, in sync with you, he's, uh, Spencer sings, you can't make it. Okay. Like just a ton of times over and over. And that's, that's really bland and boring. Um, but like the, the intro line, I think it's, if my tongue is the blade, then your hand is the gun. And that to me is just like kind of interesting imagery. Or even uh, I think the song Hold Your Breath um, has the best line and also probably the best moment of the album where it says uh, in the chorus, alone at the top of the world, I forgot it was safe down below. Um, And that kind of contrasts with this line in On My Teeth. I don't remember the exact line, but it's kind of the exact opposite, which is maybe unintentional, but just an interesting idea. Um, But I like... That the music behind that as well, it's kind of this major, it's on this major chord at the top of the chorus and it feels like a breakdown and just compared to the rest of the album, that doesn't feel as heavy at times. I'm getting sidetracked a bit. But the other thing about the lyrics that I've, I found interesting is the fact that a lot of the album still feels like the guy's. As and as a as a group, they're still kind of hung up on Christianity. From interviews, I got the impression that they were going dis- to de- distance themselves from Christianity as much as possible. but a lot of these they still seem to be addressed to uh, part of it is like trying to distance themselves from Christianity, but also acknowledging like the emptiness that comes with that, like uh, in the song "I hate It," which is uh, for me, I hate the title of the song because it's just kind of silly. And the whole like lowercase run together thing is, is kind of dumb. But I think in the bridge, um, Spencer seems to be addressing God directly and saying, God, I don't deserve the life you give to me. That still makes this kind of like in the veins of, of an artist like Dave Bazan, where you can still see that Christianity has a hold on, um, who these people are, and it's something that even though they probably don't go to church or they probably don't uh call themselves christian it still has affected them and so i think that's just a one of the elements that was a surprise for me on this album but yeah i guess aside from that the lyrics really are kind of nothing particularly special about them but i guess they're serviceable in the end um and like i was saying earlier like kind of the darkness that emanates from the lyrics, also uh, protrudes from the music as well, and so because of that, I feel like even though there's like a wide range of quality on this album, and a kind of a wide range of styles as well, it's very cohesive in in how dark it feels and like the tone overall, and so that's something that um Under Earth has always been pretty good about, and so I'm I appreciate that they. We're able to keep that trend going with this album. So overall, I would say this isn't really like the under oath anyone particularly asked for. And if you if you're on Facebook or YouTube or anything, a lot of the comments there seem to be widely negative uh, in regards to this album. But I would say that there's a couple of great songs. Uh, Most of the album is like in between good and okay. and then I think there's only really one song that I found to be bad, um, which is track four Wake Me. That one was just like from the very beginning, like the kind of dramatic keys and the and the overly expressive ooze. It was just really shockingly poppy. Something that despite hearing on my teeth and hearing how more mainstream of a sound they had, like I, I just wasn't prepared to hear um Something like that coming from Underoath, it was almost more like, a, like Manifest or Red or Skillet, and especially with like the awful emo rock chorus. Um, that's the only song on this album that I would say like they should have just dropped it or, I don't know, put it on a deluxe edition or something. It's just really bad. Um, but other than that, most of the songs, I would say there isn't really anything that makes them bad. A lot of them are bland, like in motion has a lot of cool elements, um, has kind of a lot of little things that make an under song. But I think just after the rest of the album, it's kind of tiring and the it kind of combines into something that isn't really that interesting. Um, but then you have a song like, uh, like sync with you, which has this cool electronic intro the main riff feels the most like an Underworld song, kind of like something from Disambiguation. Aaron's doing different stuff with the drums and, like, the chorus and the verse kind of feel really creepy and, like, the, the messing with the time signatures and everything kind of gets under, under your skin a bit. Admittedly, like, the intro song um, and the singles, they're all just okay. Um, but once he gets to bloodlust um, with kind of the more subdued, effects on the intro and the verse and like from that point on i think that rest of the album is pretty solid so i guess if i were to give it a number rating i feel comfortable with saying it's kind of a light for a week four, maybe even a very strong three and a half every person who's a fan of under oath should give it a shot and try to distance yourself from the critique that other people have placed on it and just uh listen to it as it is and accept that it's going to be different than uh, what everyone's used to.
0: So that was Mason's take. And without taking too long, I do want to add in my two cents as well. Uh, To a very large extent, I agree with almost everything Mason said. Um, We differ in a few uh, minute areas. For example, I think On My Teeth is one of the best songs and I think If you completely hated that single, there's probably not going to be much for you here. I also like the song Wake Me a good deal. Um, I'm basically at the point where I can sing along to every song. I like them all, even the two Target bonus tracks. Um, But as far as um, spiritually speaking, there's almost nothing to get upset about on this album because of how vague it all is really the lyrics are awful i think the music is mostly great i think the choruses are memorable but musically they have a lot of growing pains to get through this is a new style for them I think Spencer doesn't have a great sense of melody yet. And while they still manage to craft a lot of good choruses that I enjoy singing along to, they could have been a lot stronger. And almost across the board, every bridge on the album is awful. It's a placeholder. It's usually one line repeated four times in a row. And it usually has a really rushed or sloppy transition back into the third chorus. So there's a lot of template filling there. Um, not too many places of experimentation. I think uh, Mason did a great job of pointing out that probably No Frame and Sync With You are the two places where experimentation happens and happens well. Um, This is such a new style for the band that in one sense, it's the most daring album they could have made, but it's also such a regular album in the context of rock music today that is also the safest album they could have made they'll probably make as many new fans as they lose old fans but of course you're gonna have the christian fans that are lost not because of the music style shift per se but because of the lyrics and so as i was saying like yeah there are the three songs that drop the f-bomb ironically those three songs with the f-word are three of my favorites, and the three that I think have like the strongest choruses. But Spencer just doesn't really get across like meaningful, uh, concrete ideas of what he's trying to say. So there are songs where I don't know if he's trying to talk about like an ex-girlfriend or a family member or a friend or God, or speaking like to, one of the substances that he used to abuse it's all very vague and you have words showing up over and over again like lies death alive darkness fear and it's just like oh it's another drowning another water metaphor and it just kind of all adds up to nothing to where like there are times where it seems like he's saying i'm done with christianity um that stuff ruined me, and it's behind me now. There's other times where it seems like he's saying, uh, I want Christianity. If Christianity is real, I want the real thing, and I just never had the real thing. But then again, I know that I'm just left up to my own interpretation on that and there isn't enough there to grasp onto for me to be able to be convinced that that is the proper interpretation unless I were to speak to Spencer and Aaron themselves and say, hey, what does this mean? Um, so if, if the spiritual aspect uh, or the language aspect makes you not want to listen to this album, that's fine. You're missing a good album. You're not missing a fantastic album. Um, there's no need to protest the band or to write angry YouTube or Facebook comments. Um, like if this is really spiritually unsettling for you, just, just pray for them pray for the guys. Um, you know, God is going to be able to do far more in their hearts than any huge group of men could ever try to do. It's, it's not even worth comparing. Um, but yeah, like we, As a site, like Jesus Freak Hideout, we're not protesting the band for using the F word. We're acknowledging that they do not want to be considered a Christian band anymore. They are not in the Christian market anymore. And that's fine. Obviously, uh, we've just wrapped up two podcast episodes about them. Um, That should be expected. It, It is a big deal for one of the largest bands in Christian rock history to be leaving Christian rock. Uh, so we're acknowledging that and we're processing that. We're dealing with that. Um, but as as human beings, I still wish for the best for the band. Um, I want them to be successful. I want them to keep making music. And I want to see how they're going to grow from Erase Me. Um, but as souls, you know, I, I still want uh, Christ for them. And we don't know what God has in store. They're still young. Um, there's still a lot of life left to be lived. And in the meantime, we can listen to Christian and non-Christian music if we choose. And we can listen to explicitly Christian music if we choose to do so. And that's fine. Uh, That is up to uh, your discernment, your conscience. And that's great. Um, so I think that puts a wrap on the... The current phase of uh, JFH relationship with Undreath. And so now I'm going to lead us back into the previous conversation as we wrap up the episode with our weekly segment Made You Listen. Mason, do you want to stick around for the rest of the discussion while Yeah. Cool. Did you get a chance to listen to the album Psalm by Covenant? Yeah. Uh chase
1: the other way around though
0: oh the Alm covenant by psalm <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay so a uh, little bit of background on this then um so this is a really obscure indie artist um he's a rapper uh, real name andy bird uh goes by the name psalm formerly go- went by the name sketchy ways back before he was a Christian. And he was a very active rapper in the underground scene when he was a, or before he was a Christian, and then became a Christian, took on the name Psalm, and released this album. I reviewed it along with Scott Freiberger uh, as uh, burger, burger Scott Freiberger, um, as an indie submission, and we both just really liked it. We both just mm-hmm. loved it a lot. So, I assigned this album to Chase last week, and the day, bef- or the day after that, he sent me this text, and it says, I'm almost upset how good this album is, hashtag spoiler. So, oh. I had a feeling that you would like this album. Um, I think I like this album even a lot more now than I did back when I reviewed it. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I wish I would have put it on my top 10 album of the year list but chase that was a very exciting test i'm really excited to <laughs> hear or maybe you completely changed your view in the last two weeks i'm excited to hear though so
0: hit me with it chase hit yeah. me with it so it's a 22 track song album uh, which is extremely overwhelming especially because like none of these are like your typical like hip-hop interludes these are all full songs except for one short song that's still like it's a legitimate song, just a shorter one, um, and uh, I was pretty blown away by it. It's it's a rapper with like no holds barred, a complete willingness to just go at it with any of the most intense topics, whether it's like our culture's current views on sex, um, premarital uh, sexual engagement, um, the prescription drug industry um like his own like past failures and experiences um is he just really like unloads everything but not in a way of like trying to do hot takes or going for like a shock value uh it's all like just really well written like well performed uh lyrics that seem to come from a place of him really just seeing like all the things that need to be fixed in the world and things that Christianity has uh, a solution for in ways in which Christians need to actually be living by the word of God. Um, you know, he has this line, uh, see, where is it? How many Christian husbands strung out on pornography? How many Christ, Christian wives crying out, what's wrong with me? Um, uh, and it, it, it comes across like authentic, Real meaningful passionate um, it's not like surface level indictments of obvious sins it's actually like taking deep dives into um, like serious issues that probably more Christian artists should actually be willing to write about um, but for me, like the first thing about a rap album is if it if it's actually interesting to listen to on like a beats and music level. And for the most part throughout this album, he actually has some like great samples to rap over. Um some really good sounding stuff, some interesting songs to sample, which I, one of my least favorite songs is where he samples uh the daughter's song from John Mayer. Yeah. Uh, but even that is like it's interesting. It's cool. Uh another one of my like lesser favorite songs but still good is uh, out of the river which has that come on brother let's go down let's go down uh which i think probably a lot of people recognize from uh a brother War art though even like the original uh samples and the original like the the original beats and the the, uh songs that have their own choruses um a lot of it is really good um except if if he tries to sing his own chorus it's terrible (laughs) and uh Some of the singers that he has on different songs are actually like really bad um, or really pitchy. Uh, This album would have been taken up to a next level for me if it had had good singers across the board. It really bugs me that he doesn't. And there's a few songs that get undermined by bad choruses that like his his verses and his lyrics would have like salvaged it. Um, But the really bad chorus makes me want to skip it. And so something that I wanted to do for this conversation was to make what my track listing would be for this album if I were to cut the 22 songs down to something shorter, like maybe only 12 or 15. Uh, But when I started doing that, I uh, found myself really struggling. Struggling to cut songs? Yeah, like... When I got down to the grid of it, there were a lot of like moments I disliked or beats I wasn't particularly impressed with or choruses that I was slightly annoyed by. But most of those still had something to merit uh, keeping the song. Um, That's more true on the first half of the album than the second. The second one I was able to get down to uh, like I'd be fine with losing I Knew A Girl uh, I'd be fine with losing. Made for this, um, I definitely think my shelter is a skipper, um, and I'm not crazy about the final song, like a river. But like the first, like eight, eight songs or so are are pretty fantastic with very few reservations. Uh, even like a uh, poisoned has this like a kind of a reggae ish style that I'm not too big on and thought, like, uh, eh, maybe I could do without this song. And then, towards the end, it brings in that super sick guitar riff that he, like, syncopates his rapping along to. And it's just one of the coolest parts on the whole album. And I love hearing it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's this song. So I definitely need to keep this song. And so the other songs had moments like that uh, where, like, something in the song happened that made me think, oh, nope, nope. I need to, I need to keep this on here. <laughs> um, so for, for 22 tracks, uh, it's, it's exhausting. And I would have loved a shorter album, but even as is completely a worthy listen, listen with so many, just like biting lyrics and insightful moments, indictments. It's, it's one of those things like, I, I don't know how he's not bigger. I, I don't know how uh, the CHH, seen uh hasn't scooped this guy up at large um or maybe he has and i've just completely not noticed but as far as i know he's still completely underground and i would love for more people to go listen to him
2: yeah Um, you should in my original review i wrote something about uh this album felt like the or this or a psalm this artist felt like the anti-nf and it wasn't <laughs> and it wasn't because like um nf was bad and uh, this guy was great or even because they had a different styles or re- addressed different things but um with uh you know nf prides himself with his realness and his relatability and You know, just how how well he can connect with his listeners. Well, that's everything that I can say about Psalm and then some because Psalm is actually really, really like comes across way more open and genuine, way more accepting of his own flaws
0: and failures. His, His performances are all around good. But it would be cool to see a little bit more variety. He, he, he kind of has just two speeds that he mostly lives at. And so going out of that would be cool as well. Um, but he's still just he's, he's very good and he's willing to say things that are way more like um, I guess like on the nose and uh, on, the on the teeth. Te- no, on the nose <laughs> and controversial than you hear from a lot of other artists. But hey, if Humble Beast wants to pick this guy up, I'd be all for that. <laughs> Gimme. Oh, yeah. Mason, I saw you nodding along a few times. Are, are you kind of with me that it's good lyrics and bad choruses? <laughs>
1: um, I think angry white guy rapping is my least favorite subgenre of uh, <laughs> Christian hip-hop. And so uh, already, like, I have that as a disclaimer as to whether or not I'm going to, like, this album so you hated this Uh, album uh kind of what you said earlier about chase about um how music with hip-hop and anything that involves rapping like the music kind of needs to be musically interesting enough for me to be engaged with the lyrics yeah um i just found that most of these songs were the same four bars on a loop um, which i guess is fairly common in hip-hop yeah um but to me, it just the music didn't really draw me in. Um, I agree that the lyrics were uh, far more biting than like what we're used to on anything Christian radio related. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, I would say sometimes the lyrics were maybe too on the nose, maybe too direct. Um, and I think that's just kind of again that's uh, typical of rap lyrics in general. Yeah. Um, but if I'm going to listen to something that is like uh, deals with a lot of social commentary, I'd be more interested in listening to it if it was more, I guess, just uh, metaphorical and more right uh, something that made me think deeper than just kind of straight bullet point arguments, yeah. which is what I felt like all the time.
0: You ready for my assignments for you, Mr. Mock? All right. Well, let's do this. I heard it's a short one. Yes, well, I I agreed to give you a short one since we only have a few days till our next episode recording, Uh, which I I was already planning on giving this album to you. It's only like 34 minutes, I think, eight songs. I was going to task you with this eight song mini album and the following five song EP that he released, Uh, since that would be closer to equaling the kind of monstrosities that you usually assigned me. I think you have like a double or triple album coming up for me soon. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh yeah. But uh Oh yeah.
2: All 115 minutes of glory. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'll just give you the the eight song album. It's called A Thousand Cathedrals by John Lucas, which is is an indie artist that I completely just stumbled upon on uh, Spotify Discover. So I don't usually um, bother with listening to their curated playlists. But for whatever reason, I decided to check out the Discover Weekly recently. And the first song from this album was on my, my playlist that week, Caesar by John Lucas. And by the first chorus, I was hooked. So I switched over from listening to the playlist to listening to his album. And I went from listening to that album to listening to his full discography and then went from listening to his full discography to purchasing some of his stuff. And now his music has become almost a daily listen. uh, And I've been connecting with his uh, lyrics in a way that I haven't connected with anyone's lyrics in a long time. Uh, So uh, if, if you do like him, or do like this album? I highly recommend uh, the his previous album and his following EP, which his uh, his EP did come out this year. It actually came out just a few days after I discovered him, so that was cool. Just to have something brand new already to listen to, and solid chance that it's gonna end on end up on my uh, album of the year list when we get there in December. Which I know it's way ahead of time to be talking about that, but nevertheless, uh, he, he's kinda, he's kind of he's blowing. Blowing me away right now. Um
1: have we reviewed his stuff before?
0: No, I'd never heard of him before. Actually, I haven't checked. Uh so th- there's a I guess a possibility that he might have done. Mark in the knows our VR entire site.
1: database. We haven't. All right.
0: All right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so his album, A Thousand Cathedrals. If you desire to move on, his previous album is called Promised Land. His new EP is called Family X. Um yeah. I look forward to hearing what you have to say. So, uh,
2: that is the album A Thousand Cathedrals by the artist John Lucas.
0: Yes. All righty then. Mason, thanks for joining us this week.
1: Yeah, it was fun talking about my gateway band and
0: yeah. Y- you got to relive your childhood. I got to relive my hardcore dancing party in my living room. <laughs> And Mark got to struggle a lot. So I think this was was good for all of us. Um,
1: Success.
2: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Jesus Freak Hideout podcast. And it is pronounced Dubuque, Iowa.
0: The JFH podcast is hosted by Mark Rice and me, Chase Tremaine. Production, editing, and music is also by me. The podcast is executive produced by John DiBiase and Christopher Smith. If you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, please send an email to Christopher at JesusFreakHideout.com. And we'd love it if you would recommend the show on Overcast, rate the show on iTunes, tell people about it. Hey, and if you have anything you don't like, come tell it to us. We'd be happy to hear it. Now I want to show you the full track, I Shall Not Be Shaken, by this week's sponsor, Ufala. And if you like what you hear, please go check out the rest of her album. I'm playing on cutting out everything you say this episode. This is gonna be the the Mason and Chase show.
1: Just don't cut out the visual uh meh stuff.
0: <laughs> meh. I'll just pretend like that's the only thing Mark did the entire episode. <laughs> Mark just sit here on sat here on Skype with us,
3: never saying anything, and just shrugging <laughs> his shoulders a lot. <laughs>